Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, and in that book, in chapters 2 and 3, there are seven letters written to the church directly from Jesus, revealed to this guy called John, who's living on an island. He's exiled from his people. He's exiled because the, the rulers of the day don't like what he's been saying and what he's been teaching. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different letters, and today we're on to the fourth letter to the church in Thyatira. So I don't know if anyone can remember the kind of main messages over the last few weeks, but message one was to a church in Ephesus. They were a good church, but they'd forgotten their first love. That was the message. You're doing great things, but you've forgotten to love me. You're not doing anything with love. And then there was the message to the church in Smyrna, if you remember them. They were the persecuted church. And that was just a pure message of encouragement to them to say, I know you, I see you, I see what you're going through. Last week we talked about the church in Pergamum and this was a church, again, that, that got, came in for a bit of stick, didn't it? They were, they were doing things that Jesus wasn't happy about and he was saying to them, stop compromising people. Don't mess around with this truth that I've given you. And today is a bit similar to that message, to the church in Thyatira. Jesus has got a strong message to them. And, and the book of Revelation is amazing because it, it presents us with challenging stuff. So when you get this as a preacher, you're like, all oh, right, this is what I'm going to preach on, great. And so I'm going to read it to you, this letter. And, uh, and you'll probably hear some of the things uh, that might kind of sound strongly in your ears and might sound tricky. But um, hopefully we can unpack some of that together. And uh, there'll be some revelation for us as a church here at Ivy, um, as well as the church in Thyatira. So if you've got a Bible with you, and uh, you want to turn to the book of Revelation, it is right at the very end. Um, And we're looking in chapter 2, and it's verse 18, which is where we're going to start. And it says this, and it's up on the screen behind me as well. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless... I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you, except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one one the morning star. 
Whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the phrase poo sandwich. <laughs> it was a phrase that I was taught by my dear friend Kaz. And uh, when, I, when I taught Ollie and Anthony yesterday, uh, Tim and Anthony, who were both there chatting about this preach, that's what I was preaching on. They were like, oh, right, well, we're preaching on God being jealous and something else. I was like, well, I'm preaching on poo sandwich <laughs> because I want you to remember this message. Because actually what Jesus is doing is he's giving some good news to these people. He's giving some bad news. And then there's a, a good news. There's a, there's a message of encouragement at the end. And hopefully that helps us to remember this morning. And it is good to look at bits of the Bible that are challenging, isn't it? And it's good to get some context to this message as well. So Thyatira, it's modern day Akisar. I don't know if that's how you say it, but it's in Turkey. It was the smallest um, church that Jesus wrote to by uh, John. Um, But this is actually the longest letter. He's got the most to say to them. And they were um, a community of traders and craftspeople. They had lots of guilds and... um, and a guild was basically something that you had to sign up to in order to practice your craft. And they had you do all sorts of practices. Quite often there was idol worship involved in that. Quite often there were, there were certain things they did. It's, it was, I guess it's a little bit like um, belonging to a society at university or a fraternity, as they call them in the States. They have certain ways of being. If you're in, this is what you do. If you're out, you can't be part of us and you can't practice this trade. And this is why... Um, Jesus speaks quite, quite strongly against some of these cultural practices because they were not the sort of thing that he wanted people in his church to be getting involved in. And so he speaks in very strong terms to them and he, and he refers to himself in very strong ways and ways that would actually make sense to them because they were people who were involved in making bronze. So they knew about the properties of bronze, they knew it was firm, they knew it was unshakable. And for Jesus to refer to himself as made of bronze they would have a sense of who he was and his sort of gravitas and his strength through that. So the good news. Well, there were good things going on in this church. It wasn't all bad. They were followers of Jesus after all. They had his love and they loved the people around them. They were doing incredible things. And actually, I think we'd all love to hear these words from Jesus, wouldn't we? We'd all love for him to say, I can see your good deeds. I can see the amazing things you're doing. I can see how you're helping those people out of poverty. I can see those kids that you're sponsoring doing really well they wouldn't have done otherwise. I can see that you're getting people off the streets and on the straight and narrow. I can see all this amazing stuff you're doing. And and that was an amazing commendation. They were a loving church, possibly the opposite to the Ephesian church, who were not very loving at all. And God recognises that, and it's fantastic news, and it's something I'm sure that each and every one of us would love to hear from God as well. But then there was bad news as well, because there was something that mattered even more to Jesus, and there were some painful words that these lovely people had to hear, because actually, it's not just about love, is it? It's not just about being lovey-dovey, it's not just about doing good, it's not just about being kind and nice and fluffy. But actually, there's a truth in our gospel that we believe. There's something that Jesus came down and and died for that is really serious. And if we set that aside and just focus on love and just focus on compromise, just focus on tolerance, then actually we miss the very heart of what the gospel's about. See, Jesus looked through those fiery eyes and he said, you're doing good, but you're tolerating a lot of evil. It says... um, In the Bible, we need to speak the truth in love. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. If we love 
and but compromise is as bad as not loving and being re- and being legalistic as well. We need to have both of those aspects to our faith. We can't go too far in either one direction or we end up losing the truth of what we're doing. So what did they do wrong? Well, they followed this lady Jezebel and her teachings. And it wasn't just that they followed and tolerated her. In fact, they actually promoted her. There was a group of people within the church who thought, yeah, what she's teaching, what she's saying, this is good stuff. This is what we want to hear. This enables us to do both and. We can have our new faith. We can follow Paul and his teachings. We can hear from John and, and, and we can have Jesus. But also we can, we can kind of blend in. We can be the same. We can keep our jobs. We're not going to have to face any persecution. We can do whatever it is we want to do. And she probably wasn't called Jezebel because actually nobody in those days would have given the name Jezebel to their child because Jezebel was a, an Old Testament queen who led her people into idol worship. It would be like us calling our kids Lucifer or Obama, not Obama, Azama, or, <laughs> or something like that, Azama, different to Obama's, uh, you know, or Saddam. You know, you wouldn't call your child that name, would you? Because it, it, it carries connotations with us. So this is not a specific woman called Jezebel that you're talking about, but it's a, it's a spirit in the church and it's a, a habit that people are having. And, it's, um, and it is similar to what they were talking about last week, this doctrine of, of Balaam, which is, is not following God, but is compromising and is kind of making a mishmash of faith where we have a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of the other. And we kind of wrap it all up in love and we think it's okay, but actually it's not. And in promoting her teaching and not challenging her, then the believers were being led astray because she had authority over them. So they were letting somebody in a place of authority in their church have influence and have sway and teach people who were new believers or not even yet believers. And so that's why we have, we have elders in our church here at Ivy, of which I'm one and there are seven of us else, because we're so, we think it's so important that what gets taught through the people in our churches is right and is good teaching. We don't want to be teaching stuff that's going to lead people astray, that's not true, that doesn't, um, that doesn't ring true with the truth and the heart of the gospel. And so we talk about being elder guarded here at Ivy. If you ever wondered what we did, we don't just sit around and drink tea and rubber stamp everything. We're busy guarding what actually happens in our churches and what is said and what is spoken and what is taught across all of them. And what was the teaching then that she tolerated, um, that they tolerated, sorry? What was the big problem? It was the fact that she was leading them into sexual immorality and eating food dedicated to idols. And both of those things were features of Thyatira society, both in a different way of features of our society today. Um, and both of them had spoke something about what people believed. Because if you're getting involved in sexual immorality, you're saying, this body of mine, I can do what I like with it. My pleasure, that's the most important thing. Their pleasure even, that's the most important thing. But we know as Christians that we're created by God. It talks about our body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. He made sexual relations as something precious to bind two people together. He didn't make it as something for us to just mess around with and play around with. And, and that's, that kind of can sound old-fashioned and that can sound quite harsh to, to say that to people today because our, our, our culture has this, um, this message of tolerance. And, and the problem with tolerance is that we tolerate all sorts of things and that line keeps moving, doesn't it, further and further away. What is tolerable to us today probably wouldn't have been tolerable 25 years ago. What will be tolerable in 25 years' time probably isn't tolerable today. There's no set 
um, reality, there's no set truth when we, when we have these messages of tolerance. It's an ever-changing and ever-shifting sand. It's not something that we can build our lives on and have firm faith in. So God talks about a firm foundation. He talks about right and wrong. He talks about truth. He says in his words, when he's teaching people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes we like to forget that, don't we, as church? We like to think, well, you know, we can find truth all over the place. And, and these people, you know, the thing that they do is really interesting. And those people, the thing that they do, I'll just have a little bit of that as well. And we're so predisposed, aren't we, to pick and choose and to shape our gospel in a way that we feel is acceptable socially, not in a way that God feels is acceptable. And the second problem with um, sexual immorality and, and food dedicated to idols was that it was saying to God, I don't value you as number one. I value you as one among many. I value you when it suits me. I value you when I feel like it. I value you if my friends aren't watching or my family aren't putting pressure on me or this, this, the work environment that I'm in doesn't say something different. Some of the things that those, you know, sexual morality, we can all imagine what that looks like today, but, you know, conformity to idols, what does that look like for us today? It looks like running up debts on credit cards, doesn't it? It looks like overclaiming the benefit system because, you know, everyone else does. It looks like telling a white lie to get us out of trouble at work. It looks like friends with benefits. It looks like messing around in areas where it's a bit grey, but we think maybe it's all right, and we'll have a little try, and God's a good forgiver anyway. And, you know, we, we know he's a God of grace, but we're so tempted to see the line and just push it back that bit further, aren't we? And the problem is we just get further and further away from the truth of what God's saying. And maybe you're listening to me thinking, wow, this sounds a bit legalistic, and and God's coming a bit heavy on these people, you know, he's saying to this woman Jezebel, um, this is it for you, you won't repent, so this is what's going to happen. But, but, but the reality, the consequences of sin is irrevident around us, aren't they? If, if we choose our paths based on what we want, then the end of that path will work itself out and we'll reach it eventually, won't we? It's not like um, God's going to save us if we're, if we're purposefully putting ourselves again and again and again outside his will. And if we're purposefully doing things that contravene what he's, he's telling us to do. So, maybe we believe that tolerance is the ultimate virtue. But as I said, I don't think it's possible. Because sin does exist. God wouldn't have sent his son to die. He wouldn't have sent his son to die the horrible death on the cross and to live the life that he lived unless there was something serious for us to come against. But we aren't under the law anymore, and I know that this teaching could sound legalistic, you know, you must do this, you must do that, you mustn't do the other. And actually, um, Paul has some great teaching on this. I've just been reading the book of 1 Corinthians a bit over the last few weeks. And uh, this is something I read the other day, and I was like, yes. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. As Christians, we are free and God will forgive us. That's an amazing and incredible truth, but not everything we do will be beneficial and not everything we do will be constructive. And as Christians and as church, we don't exist primarily for ourselves, do we? We exist for the world out there. And they want to see somebody different. They want to see something different. They don't want to see a church 
being wishy-washy, all the same as everybody else. I remember when I was at uni, I was kind of quite a new Christian, and I had a bunch of housemates, and they were like, well, you're kind of like, you're a Christian, but you're like us, aren't you? You're no different. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I suck at this thing, don't I, clearly? And it's hard, isn't it, to make a stand, and it's hard to be different, and it's hard to say, no, I'm going to fight this one, or no, I'm going to stand on this one. But God has got some good news for us. So let's keep moving on. Because he says to the people who've held on, and he says to the people who've not followed this lady's teaching, he says, hold on and hold fast. I see that you've held on and I am coming soon. And this is the best encouragement that ever could, we could ever have, that Jesus is coming soon, that he's coming back, that there is an end to all of this, that it isn't forever, that there is a hope. And if we don't see that hope on earth, even though we pray for it and seek for it, we will see that hope in heaven. And he will come back triumphant. And so we need to hold on. And that doesn't mean going out and campaigning. And that doesn't mean suddenly taking all this teaching and saying sexual immorality is wrong. And picketing you know, clinics and doing all that kind of stuff. Because we have to remember how to balance the, the truth with love. But it, it does mean just holding on, just standing. And I, I just want to suggest in the next couple of minutes some ways that we can hold on. Because, you know, it's all good to hear teaching, isn't it? But sometimes it's useful to think, how, how do we do this? How do we apply it? So these are some things, anyway, that I've been thinking. If we're going to hold on, we need to hold on to the truth. And that truth is found in God's word. And quite often, as Christians, we can be a bit guilty of, of letting the preacher on a Sunday morning deliver God's word to us and, the, and not finding it out ourselves and not going on to it ourselves. So here's my challenge this week. Get your Bible out and read those seven letters and be reading them and asking God to show you things that perhaps I've not picked out or that you think are interesting or challenging. Check what you listen to. You know, there's such a wealth of information out there. There's such a wide amount of teaching, not just Christian teaching, all sorts of teaching. Check what you're listening to because what you listen to shapes what you're thinking. And check what you read as well, because as I said, there is truth and there is compromise. And we want to be in the truth, don't we? We don't want to be moving away from that. The second thing I think we need to hold on to is love. We don't want to be legalistic, do we, like the Ephesian church? We don't want God to say to us, you've forgotten your first love. You've got a hard heart. We want God to recognise our good deeds and our love and our service. That's what he calls us to do. He doesn't call us to sit around saying, well, this is right and this is wrong. And we need to get out, you know, roll up our sleeves and get messy and get involved in this world. We're here for a purpose. And hold on to that love. God does all things in love. We need to hold on to one another. I don't know if you've ever heard people say Christianity is not a solo sport. This is why we have the church. And quite often I can think, how would much rather it just be me because it's much easier. <laughs> I don't know if you ever think that, maybe that's just me and I'm very wrong. Um, but you know, life is tricky, isn't it? With people and there's, a, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And God put us together to go far. We need to hold on to each other. We need the support of our friends in church and our friends and family here. Um, to ask advice if we're going wrong, to seek truth. We need to be speaking to our friends and saying, that thing that you're getting involved in, I'm not sure about it. You know, we need to be challenging each other so that we can stay in the truth. Because it's so easy to slip and to slide and to let attitudes and, uh, and, and practices slip in um, and seem acceptable to us. And finally, the final thing we need to hold on to is to hold on to God. 
Because each of us as Christians has the Holy Spirit in us. We have God living in us. And he in us is the one that can teach us most, is the one that can change us most, is the one that can guide us most, is the one that can sound the alarm and put his finger on the thing that you've been thinking and doing um, that isn't from him. And uh, he's the one that gives you the power to change that. And that's something I've really been learning over the last few weeks. I've had a bit of a, a crisis of... of of, uh, of life and just thinking, oh, am I in the right place? I don't really like what I'm doing. I haven't got any grace for people anymore. You know, you can get yourself to a place where you just feel dry, can't you? And you think, oh, I don't want to be here. It's really hard and really stressful. But actually, in that, I, I feel like God's saying to me, you need to change. Not, not all of the stuff around you, but you're the one that needs to be changing. And that's the presence of his Holy Spirit, isn't it? prompting and changing and encouraging and, and bringing and drawing us into change. So I just want to pray for us all. Um, uh, perhaps if you're able, you might like to stand. Um, uh, and we're going to spend some time responding to this message. Um, uh, Lord, thank you so much that you bring a, a message of truth to us as church this morning, God. And, and that truth is, is voiced in love. And uh, Jesus, we pray right now that as we worship you, as we respond to you, as we respond to this word, that you would you would seek us and find us, and that we would hear from you, and that we would be all that you need us to be. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.